jinkies. Oh, what's that gross book made out of skin? It's not a book. It's a tome made out of skin. Ew. What's it say? Behold the collected apocrypha of Stacy Ponder, the writer for Final Girl. And Anthony Hudson, the programmer for Queer Horror. And together they are... Oh my god! Don't read it out loud! Don't read it out Boy. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Oh, that. yeah? <laughs> that's all, no, that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> this year is exhausting me already. Oh, it's such, it's off to such a, such a, a something. <laughs> a start. Oh, that's the word. Yeah, that's the word. <laughs> I could I could say that, but maybe you'd be putting words in my mouth, Stacey. Hmm? You think true. about that? It's just that I know you so well after having done like 15 episodes. Oh, how is, is this our 15th? This, I think is 15, yeah. Oh, that's crazy. That's, yeah. It it's, feels like it should be much higher and much lower. Wait, so like, if this is like, if that was like our anniversary, you know, like, there's like your copper and your silver and your, your pumice. Mm. Like, <laughs> what would... What would our 15th be? What's our 15th? Um, a little baby arm. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> well, happy little baby happy arm, Happy baby Stacey. arm! Yay! Oh, that's the sweetest thing I've heard. <laughs> it really is. Oh my god, when we, were, when we were vacationing in the desert, I do have to say, you know, we've been complaining so much on our, our previous episodes about, like, people not getting Suspiria. But... I was on a vacation in the desert a couple of weeks back with a, a cadre of homosexuals who all loved Suspiria. Nice. And so that whole trip was nothing but us screaming, It is happening! <laughs> and she's afraid for you! She's afraid for you! And so much, <laughs> And I, I have never felt more seen or validated or happy. Oh. Living the dream. Yeah, it was nice. Living the dream. Oh. It was nice. It was it was about like twenty five percent us doing that, and then seventy five percent me saying. But you know what's really shitty is how many people didn't understand this movie. Because furthermore, <laughs> and also as a feminist, I just have to say that this is a giant pile of bullshit. I mean, that's life now, right? Yeah, like that. Like that is our post-Suspiria lives. <laughs> that truly is. Yeah, <laughs> Suspiria is the thing that finally woke my woke made me woke. There we go. <laughs> oh, there you go. You're you're no longer problematic. Yeah, no longer. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I've got my my mutant fat suit on, and nothing will ever be problematic. And your again. shades. <laughs> and my and shades. Future so blobby. Oh yeah, future hashtag future so blobby. <laughs> oh boy, I what wonder. I... I wonder, like, if there is anyone already who's like, you know what? I'm done with them. They with just, us? Yeah, and they oh. just—they're like, that's it. I'm tired of hearing about it. You know, if if you are, uh, dear listener, one of those people, please write us an angry letter all about it. We haven't had oh. any hate mail yet. No, we haven't. Just in their minds, probably. This is true. We do welcome all forms of discourse and, and engagement, including hate mail, um, coupons to <laughs> Bed Buffets. Bath and Beyond. To buffets, yes. 
<laughs> all sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah, send us coupons. Send us coupons and then like and, and rate and review and subscribe and all that. Be sure to do that. I'm saying look that at, at the beginning of this. Look, episode. Yeah, I was going to say, look at you mixing it up in the new year. Yeah, see? Look it's at one, the beginning. One of my resolutions. Yeah. Oh, to... really? Wow. <laughs> Isn't that a dark thing? <laughs> <laughs> it would just, no, I think it's great. It means your life is so perfect that all that's like the only thing you have to resolve. Yeah. Resolve it! Yeah, that's the yeah, that's the only thing. It's the only thing. Yeah, it's the that's, only issue. Yeah, that's, that's all that I have to fix in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say those promotional things at the beginning. I'll say them at the beginning, and then I'll be better, and I'll be magical, and I'll like myself. I'm gonna be wonderful. I'm gonna be so yeah, happy. Gonna yeah, be... <laughs> new year, new me. New year, new me. New year, new me. <laughs> Clearly, my resolution is to be more scholarly in my approach to this show. Oh, really? Yeah, no more stupid stories about myself. No more acting a fool. No more being a jester for your entertainment. Well, then I fucking quit right here and now. Everybody's like, well, bye. I'm done. (laughs) I'm done and I'm I'm only promoting this show at the end of the episode. (laughs) No, it's my nature to make a fool out of myself. So here we are. Well. Uh, you know, we have quite a double feature. I have to say, I'm so excited to talk about these two movies. And specifically as a double feature, because I think, I think, I don't know that these movies really work. (laughs) But I think I love them both. And I think together, they create such a bizarre pair of bookends. That's true. uh, That I just could not have more fun with. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Well, okay. Well, we're gonna... (laughs) If the sigh of hesitation didn't set us off for a great start. I really know how to pull in the audience. And just get them right from the get-go. Successful carnival barkers throughout time. Uh, well... uh, Well, okay. Uh, yeah... Wow. Well, we're going to talk about Lurkers. Yes, 1988. 1988 feels at least 10 years older than it is. It definitely, when I saw it was 1988, I was shocked. I was blown away. I would have at least, I would have estimated 1983 at the latest. At the absolute latest, for sure. Yeah, I had never even really, I had never heard of Lurkers before this. And you said, let's watch it. And I said, all right. (laughs) That's a little recap of our conversation. Did you feel like I like to set the scene? <laughs> I felt like I was there. Yeah, imagine an email. <laughs> if you can. Hey, how you feel about this one? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Then, man, I am riveted just thinking about it. Ooh. Yeah. So I had never heard of lurkers until you threw it my in my face. And now you have. And And now I've not only heard of it, I've seen it. You have bore witness, much like uh, Joseph Klemperer himself. (laughs) Exactly. And this is, I wish Susie would wipe it from my mind, because this is (laughs) the movie that has undone me. (laughs) 
for you're sure. Just, as you're watching the film, you're just screaming, like, are there guilty men in Portland, Maine? <laughs> yes, exactly. but I am not one of yes. them. It's not me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just Miss um, Balfour just singing and having my life. <laughs> playing a cello with intestines. <laughs> Wow. Just getting my judge. So today we're yeah, we're talking about lurkers and then we're uh complimenting that with a, a similar film, but in a totally different way. Uh, Eleven years it's senior. Um The Sentinel from nineteen seventy seven. Spoiler alert, I love the Sentinel. I also love the Sentinel. It is bananas. It's fucking bananas. Splits. It is... know, that's like more bananas, I guess. Banana splits. Which one are you more excited to talk about? Slash, do you want to talk about first? Um, well, I'm more excited to talk about the Sentinel because I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so we should probably talk about Lurkers first. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> so yeah. I I created a, a set of criteria that that these two movies share. Okay. Um, perfect. So the Sentinel and Lurkers. These are two like like I said, they kind of bookend each other. Um, they are both films about women with suspicious boyfriends mm-hmm. involved in intricate plots that affect the mo- mortality of the main character. Mm-hmm. Um, they both feature disfigured ghouls from hell. Yeah. They're both set in apartment complexes that are either hell or representative of the mouth of hell. Yeah. Um, they both have priests. <laughs> <laughs> yep. They both have. They both have lesbians. They both have not lesbians; they have predatory lesbians. Well, yeah, yeah. Which is my favorite Same kind of difference. <laughs> you say tomato. Six I... of one, <laughs> a honey pot of the other. <laughs> That's the new measurement system. <laughs> they both are cyclical stories, um, and uh, and they both have ghouls urging people to kill themselves, which often is a thing. Yeah. Yeah, weird-ass movies. So, Lurkers is this little-known, one might say, Jim. Um, I, I would call it... What's a cubic zirconia of a gem? Just uh, a cubic zirconia? A fraud. A fraud. Plastic, yeah. gem-shaped thing. You'll give it oblong. I'll give it that! I'll give it that! I'll it's... give you it's gem-shaped! <laughs> It's well, oblong okay, here's, at best. Here's the thing with Lurkers. It's, <laughs> it's like, there's a lot of little gem moments in this film. Yes, that's the that's the truth. But everything in between those moments is interminable and torturous. <laughs> like, it's just poorly made. Well, yes, that's yeah, true. Or, or poorly edited. Um, it's Roberta Finlay, who's, you know, big exploita- exploitation, exploitation queen. Director. Yeah, exactly. She edited Lurkers herself, I understand. Yes, and you can't tell. I don't know that that was her strength. I, uh, would, I would say this is maybe her best film. Uh, <laughs> probably, yeah. It, it seems like she's really creating an intricate mythology and trying to create her own story that she didn't plagiarize from the Sentinel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's some really great stuff in it, but get like the stuff in between the great stuff is gonna. It tested my patience. Stacy, what about nonstop scenes of people laughing and kissing set to so much kissing, <laughs> so slow- many kissing montages? In my notes, I just wrote, "What the fuck is up with these Calliope love scenes?" Where it's just like 
Calliope music. Yeah, I wrote so many people kissing around town. (laughs) Laughing, uh, kissing, taking a picture in front of a fountain, and then kissing, kissing in bed, kissing to Calliope. Feeding each other pizza? These strange heterosexual (laughs) rituals. These strange love rituals, it's true. Strange love rituals, feeding each other pizza, and then kissing with pizza mouths, and just (laughs) depraved. I think you can't turn this movie away the second the credits start that opening title and the 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 font makes it look like the movie is called lurleans (laughs) (laughs) it's so fancy and the movie is like entirely (laughs) scored by a midi device like (laughs) oh my god i actually muted it at one point when it was clear it was just gonna be somebody running for a really long time and the music was so overbearing that i was like i'm not missing anything doesn't it feel like it there's whole sections of the film that feel like a german silent expressionist horror movie like with that music playing but but in like 1980s like early 90s like patrick nagel pastel world (laughs) yeah (laughs) all the way down to the patrick nagel print that's hanging on kathy's wall like love a patrick nagel print oh i have one sitting over me right now as we speak (laughs) it's such a hallmark of an era oh it's such a it's it's truly the best decor out there like that's all you need to set something in a specific time do you know what i mean like it's oh yeah that iconic you're like i need to convey salon from 1988 it's like put that patrick nagel print up you're sold Mm -hmm. yeah there you go yeah so lurkers what a time I personally love this movie. Um, and I see and agree with all of your criticism so far. But I just, I think, I think I have been Stockholmed by this movie because it is so bizarre <laughs> and so really bad is. that I think it's perfect. Yeah. Well, the thing, it just, it suffers from, well, it's, the pacing is weird. It's like you'll watch a 10 minute sequence of somebody, say, running away from someone wielding a sledgehammer. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 10 minutes of that. The worst jaunt around New York City ever. The worst jaunt is poorly edited, so you, you're not quite sure where anybody is or what's going on, but you kind of get the gist of it. Is this guy with a sledgehammer chasing this girl. 10 minutes. Then the next 10 minutes, when she finally gets away, are her explaining the previous 10 minutes. <laughs> I ran into a chicken! A and live chicken! There, and I saw it! And he was chasing me with a sledgehammer! And then I went down the stairs! And then I went around a court! And you're like, oh my god, I saw it! Like, I get it, you have to explain it to the character, but I saw what happened! You don't have to explain this to me! And then go inside at the party and explain it to other people. And then just keep talking about, why does it take that long to call 911? Is anybody gonna call 911 can someone call 911 <laughs> why did it take someone to call 911 it's just i mean my it just my patience was but that all oh, but that chasing that makes that isn't a chasing that makes no sense where it's like he's chasing after the woman with the mallet and then and she's freaking out she's backing along the same brick wall for like five minutes at least yeah but like but like she keeps backing across the same portion of the brick wall <laughs> Then she runs, she runs from the man with the mallet who is like right in front of her, but you can't tell because of how it's shot and edited, like if they're in the same alleyway or space or if she's just seeing this from afar or if he's right in front of her. Yeah. Then she runs, stumbles upon a slow motion, like genderqueer street gang. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> who just menacingly stare at her in vogue. Yeah. <laughs> 
And then she leaves. And then she leaves, stumbles upon a chicken who's just hanging out. Just hanging on a fence. <laughs> then we get back to the mallet. <laughs> it, yeah. Th- this so this is the thing. This movie absolutely suffers from long bouts of nothing happening or too right. much too much calliope. But then we have those weird little moments that I zeroed in on. Oh, for sure. I love and, the the models that are getting ready for their photo shoot. Oh. And they're talking. They're talking about their taxes and their investments and junk bonds and corporate crimes. It is. <laughs> just, I love them. It is the. I had to do put it on my Instagram stories because it is the most shocking scene I have ever witnessed in my yeah, life. Yeah, it's so good. Where it's like it's 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 shot like a horrible porno. Yeah. Like, there's a giant red background behind them. They're, like... Getting their boobs out. Getting their boobs out. Like, they keep just, like, taking off bras and putting on bras and taking (laughs) off bras and putting on bras. (laughs) There's, like, 80s porny saxophone playing in the background. And they're literally, like... Well, if she only, like, wrote that off as a loss on line F of her 1040... (laughs) Then maybe she'd be able to count. And, and they're like, no, 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 you didn't hear me right. She was investing in the wrong capital with an action. <laughs> so good. It is. And then they cut away and cut back to a different scene. And then they cut back. And of course, they're still changing and still talking about finance. <laughs> and I, I just, I was like, okay, this is a porno written by Susie Orman. Like, it, <laughs> it is. Yeah. astounding yeah it really is it really is so there's a lot of little things like that that are such a treat it's just by the end it was like oh all oh right. yeah you have you have been through it every step of the way just waiting to get <laughs> yeah. but that's the thing is like there's these there are these moments that are just so like i don't know if roberta finlay put them in there or if it was like the screenwriter there was like maybe some some gay who was workshopping their one person show and they had to drop in <laughs> these little sequences <laughs> yeah like yeah. the wedding invitation guy <laughs> yes with his blue eyeshadow <laughs> it's like oh yes i'd love to go to dinner oh no i don't want to go up to midtown no i hate it up there well she's overpriced she's terrible and she's a bitch <laughs> like, yeah. yeah there is a lot of little gay notes there's so much gayness in this movie yeah uh, it's true. that that is admittedly why I love it and recognize that it is terrible. But I yeah. love those 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 super queer interludes. I'm so here for them. Yeah, it's like they're from a different movie almost. It's like they're edited in from found footage. They definitely feel like weird little skits that just yeah they just placed here and there. It's like oh, it's like watching um, it's like a Gary Marshall movie, like <laughs> yeah, like Mother's Day or whatever. yeah, like Gary. <laughs> Mar- yeah, I was rewatching um, the Princess Diaries because I'm a scholar, and <laughs> and in the Princess Diaries, like we have the main scenes with Anne Hathaway and Julie Andrews, and then they at the like at the beginning or ending of every scene, they have like a silly, wacky interaction between the butlers or like yes, and this yeah. is very much that like there's just mm-hmm. so many cutaways that don't make any sense or belong yeah. belong in this movie about like allegedly about childhood trauma and cyclical abuse <laughs> yeah it's it's another in the the long line of uh maybe she's born with it maybe there really are lurkers <laughs> maybe there are really are horrible fucking ghosts floating over your yeah like is she crazy and it's mostly just like women like 
not being believed and women with a lot of untreated trauma. Yeah, <laughs> like they, yeah. they need the therapy. And both of these movies are very much that, very much gaslighty. Yes, yes. Gas gaslit central. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Boy. Uh <laughs> I will say Lurkers <laughs> is the only film I've seen and I'm talking like never mind Carol. Never mind these other lesbian films. Lurkers is the only film I've seen that gets lesbian sexuality correct in that all we do is use antiquated, like, douches on each other. <laughs> That's lesson out. <laughs> when she walks into that bathroom. Oh my god! I was like, what the fuck is, what is, ha- is that a beer bottle? What is happening? Was it like an enema thing? <laughs> was it a douche thing? Okay, so, all right. So our main character Set walks this into up a bathroom. Our... Yeah. Oh my gosh. The main character walks into a bathroom and there's two women in there that are, you know, I guess, lesen out and they're like, you want to join us? And one of them's got like, like a hot water bottle attached to a really long hose like a catheter hose like a catheter hose and it must be some kind of an old enema or an old douche thing and she's like yeah we're gonna woo woo like you wanna join us like but it's just like draped across their chest it's not actually doing anything yeah like they're getting getting ready to do it and I was like that is boy that takes me back to my college days (laughs) so accurate i can't wait to tweet at todd haynes about how carol and (laughs) carol and lurkers exist in the same universe (laughs) it's like what is going on it's so bananas and they're the lesbians are so predatory and so thirsty of course um like they are also also accurate also in the Sentinel, also accurate um one of them rita that her like because it's her friend who like sells her well doesn't sell her jewelry just gives her jewelry at her store but Um, also does tarot card readings but also does her tarot readings uh and also kind of looks like is sort of mary warrenoff but isn't (laughs) like (laughs) yeah she's a dollar tree mary warrenoff yeah she's dollar tree mary warrenoff (laughs) it's just so yeah so weird come on why don't you why don't you join us kathy right I know it almost was just dis- like I'm I'm not usually disappointed by any like gay content and a thing but earlier that's Rita was when she was giving the tarot card reading and the main character whose name I can't even remember uh Kathy Kathy yes Kathy like the like the 80s cartoon Oh ack ack there we go <laughs> ack there's lurkers <laughs> I would watch that in a second. Oh, for sure. That's our <laughs> next episode. Um, Kathy. When Kathy was talking about giving up her career and everything so she could get married, um, and Rita was like, would he give up his career for you? Like, you got to think about yourself, blah, blah, blah. So it yeah. was a little, like, I was all gung-ho about that. And then when she just turned out to be, like, a predatory lesbian, I was like, oh. It, yeah. It kind of taints that a little yeah. bit. And, and that it's weird because that exists both in Lurkers and in the Sentinel, yes. where it's like it has these, and it, it it's kind of like that thing we were talking about in a previous episode about like women who are supposed to be depicted and like oh look at how bad they are, but then they kind of ultimately for people like us become heroes. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, like both of these movies feature the main characters being like super shocked slash slash conservative slash judgy around like outward displays of like non normative sexuality yeah okay okay the sentinel right 
Like, which has a lot of issues. <laughs> oh, so many issues. <laughs> which is super bananas, as you said. However, the very ending aside with all of the... Well, we'll get to the ending. Yeah. If you read The Sentinel as, like, a gay panic movie, it's so good. Oh, and that's exactly how I look at it. Yeah, like, it's just this character is, I think she doesn't want, I mean, like, I guess we're talking about The Sentinel now. But, like, um, <clears throat> she doesn't want to get married. She, like, you know, not now anyway. Like, she wants some time to herself. And she's confronted by all of these, quote, unquote, like, deviant sexualities, and she loses her mind over it. And to me, it's like, just she's in a gay panic of like, oh my God, is that me? And she sees all of these deviant sexualities as monstrous. Yeah. Basically. And it's like, by the end, she just completely rejects it. And what's more, you know, hetero, ostensibly, than being like a Catholic watchdog. Yeah, then, <laughs> then literally grabbing a crucifix out of terror and becoming a nun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. It is fascinating how both of these movies are really much, really like. I and I, I can't tell how to read them. Like it's, it's it, probably not intentional. On yeah, because part. it seems like they're supposed to be making. They're supposed to be like, oh, look at how scary these gross, sexy people are, or like. I don't know. Look at look at this woman who she just you know I don't know. She's trying to go out and do her own thing, and and that's why you should never go out and do your own thing and be free willed. <laughs> right, exactly. But at the same time, you can with this uh, today with like a, a contemporary lens, it's really shocking to look at how much these are kind of they're parodying that inadvertently, mm -hmm. and they kind of are making fun of themselves in that way. I have one more thing to say about lurkers. Yeah. Oh yeah. We could. I just had to. Get oh that yeah. I well. I that's actually all of my notes for lurkers. But <laughs> <laughs> the uh, like continuing on that train of um, human sexuality and and her Kathy's kind of terror at it. Uh, I love how they follow up the lesbian scene with Rita, and then she ends up in the she just walks into the room and she walks in on the old swingers mm -hmm. who do not have a buffet right. <laughs> unfortunately um, yeah <laughs> and, and um she looks at the swingers and like join us kathy join us and she just shuts the door and goes no thank you dr ruth <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sick fucking burn man <laughs> and actually that says a lot because both of these films are, it is that Dr. Ruth era of like women opening up and talking about sexuality. Also mm -hmm. very, very contemporary with Madonna, like kind of coming up and, and being outwardly sexual and owning her sexuality and speaking about it. Like women didn't get to talk about it in this right. time. Yeah. Yeah. And on the surface of it, it's like the women are punished for it. And the people who do are open about their sexuality and everything are literal freaks and deviants and monsters. Yeah. But then, you know, like for me looking at it and probably for you, I'm like, well, Kathy and Allison should have just been gay. Kathy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I would argue they were. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Allison, especially in the Sentinel. And maybe uh -oh. I'm just saying that because Christina Reigns is such a babe. Oh, she is such a babe. She is such a babe. And, and I mean, She's got to be gay because she really wasn't going for Chris Sarandon. And he was also a babe in that movie. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, it just all makes sense if it, you just read it as a gay panic, man. It's yeah. kind of great that way. So the Sentinel, how do we set up the Sentinel? This is like one of those 70s like prestige horror films, like post-Exorcist. Post-Exorcist. Um, yeah, it's, oh man, it's a trip. Yeah, Allison Parker is a model uh, who's been living with her boyfriend for a couple of years. Um, and she just wants to live on her own before they get married and kind of live her own life because <clears throat> she spent some time in a mental hospital healing like from suicide attempt, which she attempted suicide after she walked in on her father. <laughs> having a cake orgy? Having a cake orgy with these two other women. And she immediately, Allison saw this, saw her father and these two women like kind of naked and eating cake. <laughs> on a bed and Allison immediately ran into the bathroom and tried to slit her wrist <laughs> immediately tries to kill herself I mean it is the correct response <laughs> to some degree but to some degree in other you know in, in more enlightened societies you could say hey, hey maybe you should lock the door or hey could I have some cake also <laughs> like exactly there's so, some <laughs> yeah there's it's wow and after after that she is set on a path yes um I did love that the beginning of this movie is Chris Sarandon who is I was not, I'm, I love, I like, I love Jerry Dandridge. I love Fright Night. It's one of my very favorite movies, but I've never mm-hmm. really been like deep in Chris Sarandon. Um, <laughs> really? <laughs> well, not yet anyway. Not yet. Wow. Thanks for bringing me back to planet Earth, Stacey. Slide whistle. <laughs> <laughs> if you give me five minutes, I can grab mine from the storage. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say this movie is is um single-handedly populated by babes. So like yeah, yeah. Chris I had never thought of Chris Sarandon as like I mean even though in Friday Night he's supposed to be like sexy, I never was really that into him in that. Mm-hmm. But oh, you put a mustache on that man and put him in a suit and oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I couldn't yeah. handle 1977 Chris Sarandon. And I love that the movie starts with him shopping for apartments for both of them. Meanwhile, Allison is looking for a room of one's own. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of puts up with it. Like, even though, like, he doesn't want her to move out, like, he lets her do it because he hasn't, he doesn't have a choice. <laughs> and it's, she doesn't right. give him a choice. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. She looks for a place of her own and she finds a deal that is too good to pass up, courtesy of realtor Ava Gardner. Oh, who is who the is sh- divine. The shadiest human perfection. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is that movie? Is it Earthquake? Is it Earthquake? Earth- She's Earth- fucking great in Earthquake. She is the best part of Earthquake. Mm-hmm. Um, she was married to Charlton Heston in that, right? Yes. Yeah, and oh, and she gets washed away because she's the evil drunk <laughs> wife who just lounges about in caftans with a oh. day, with like a day buzz all the time. Like she's <laughs> constantly buzzed. And living the life I want to live, quite if, frankly. Seriously, if you haven't seen Earthquake, you need to watch it just for Ava Gardner because she mm-hmm. is she is my my fantasy in that film. And in this, she definitely plays like an adjacent like cousin of that character. Yes, the the, the her Earthquake character is more business minded cousin. Yeah, her 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 shady realtor cousin who took a business class. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I just love it so much. And she's like, oh, and you're from Baltimore. And Allison goes, yeah. And she goes. Mm, well nice <laughs> like it's yeah. just so 
Yeah. There's some mysteries around around the the pyramid scheme that is getting people into this apartment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it's a gorgeous apartment. Cheap. It comes Beautiful fully apartment. furnished. You'll like the furniture. I, I'm sure you'll agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, she's told there's a blind priest on the topmost floor, but he doesn't bother anybody. He just stares out the window all the time. And that's about it. And shortly thereafter, Allison runs into her freaky neighbors. Oh, of who there are several <laughs> amazing are. basket cases. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Wow. I mean, the cast of this movie, like all star cast. As you as as the credits roll and you see the names, it you just it blows your mind one after another. Like Chris Sarandon, um, uh, Ava Gardner, Burgess Meredith, like the Penguin from Batman, <laughs> <laughs> Beverly like, D'Angelo, Christopher Beverly Walken, D'Angelo. Jeff Goldblum, Sylvia Miles, Sylvia William Miles. Hickey, like. Tom Berenger, Eli Wallach, like it's just it's packed with it is, megawatt star power. It is nuts. And like so many, I mean, Christopher Walken, who also is a babe in this, is like mm-hmm. young detective who stands and, and watches concernedly. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. or Jeff Goldblum, who like pioneered the act of keeping his shirt all the way open in a suit. <laughs> yep. <laughs> just like in Jurassic Park in this film. Yep. Um, but I mean, Burgess Meredith really takes the cake for me. Burgess Meredith as as the world's most charming, uh, creepy Leslie Jordan gay neighbor. <laughs> yep, and with his cat that he dotes on. Oh, uh, with Jezebel, who he throws a birthday party for. Mm-hmm. Oh, a black and white cake for a black and white cat. Oh, I mean, if you really want to get into it, it's like Allison is literally like haunted by a pussy through this whole movie. She is. She's haunted by a pussy and by gay na- her gay neighbors. <laughs> her gay neighbors. It's just like Allison. They're trying to tell you something. Like, have you know? some cake and join the party, man. Join the party, Allison. Have a good time. Mm-hmm. She. Uh, one of the more. And the reason why I said I wanted to talk about this movie was I I recently witnessed this for the first time, like a few months ago. And I noticed I say witnessed. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And like, I was, I I think, I think the movie has some issues towards the end of it, towards the, like, it's, it's like last half. Maybe it gets a little, but the first half of this film is just so incredible and masterful. I love it all Mm -hmm. the way through, but the first half is solid. Mm -hmm. Um, And we get to meet all these people. We see all these sexy people. We we meet Burgess Meredith, and then we get to the Gerda and Sandra, the the German ballet lesbians. Another accurate portrayal. <laughs> they don't have antiquated hot water bottle douches. No, but they do wear leotards and freely masturbate in front of their guests. <laughs> I love how, so she, for some reason. Oh Alan, my God, that scene is just it's, crazy. And that's, that's why I said, Stacy, we have to talk about this because I don't know what I just saw. It's crazy. It's cuckoo fucking crazy. Allison goes in, like, meet the new neighbors. Yay. They're well, so I mean, weird. She, They're she, new retards. She literally barges into their apartment. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Everybody so, like, barges into everybody's apartment. She kind of deserved it. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, she sits down Sylvia Miles leaves to go get the coffee or whatever and uh, Beverly D'Angelo just starts masturbating through her leotard 
like almost kind of graphically kind of graphically uh silently yeah she's amused. She, doesn't, she doesn't say a word she masturbates to completion let's say uh, Allison smell? just Allison just fucking sits there and watches <laughs> as the most ominous music plays. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah it, she, she turns, turns away. She turns away at first, and then she turns back and watches the entire thing. <gasps> it is gay panic, one hundred percent. She wants to go to there. She does. She yeah. does. And then Sylvia Miles returns, and Beverly D'Angelo sniffs her fingers. She's she is just rubbing those fingers on her face, just smelling them, smelling them. Smelling them, smelling them. Sylvia Miles. <laughs> Allison, what do you what do you do for a living? And Gerda says, We fondle each other. <laughs> fondle. And then finally and then finally Allison is like, Oh, I gotta go. Allison literally grabs her groceries, which she's been holding this whole time, runs, trips over the coffee table. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's like, that's what it's like. She did not leave during the, it just blows my mind that she just sat there. And she stays and watches. If Sylvia Miles came back and was like, oh, well, uh, I'm in banking and, you know, like, <laughs> we're dancers or whatever. She would have been like, oh, well, anyway, I'm Allison and I'm a model. Like she would have stayed. <laughs> It's so weird. It's so weird. It's one of the most bizarre films, I, uh, bizarre scenes I've ever seen in a movie. And I just have so many questions. Like, is this, I, I don't understand. I can't tell if it's problematic or if I love it or both. I think it's both. I, I think it's both. I think it's, I mean, I love it. I absolutely love it. But I think I have a really high tolerance for that kind of problematic yeah. shit. For Beverly D'Angelo fingering herself. Well, <laughs> <laughs> she looks like Amy Poehler, doesn't she? A young Beverly <gasps> D'Angelo looks just like Amy Poehler. Holy shit, you're so... She looks exactly like her. Yeah, that's the first oh, time wow. I really noticed it, yeah. No, but I mean, like, that kind of problematic, that kind of weird portrayal of a gay person. I'm just like, whatever. Yeah, because I think we see... We grow up with that, we see that, and then we kind of, like, reclaim it. Like... Yeah, if you can't have a sense of humor about it, then you're just in a for a lifetime of pain. Yeah, right. Because it's like it's a man, it's a man kind of like grossly, like not grossly, but like for the culture that he's presenting it to, it's supposed to be like gross and shocking, you know. And it's like this really exploitive male gaze on her on her nethers as she's like just full on touching it. and it's supposed to like elicit shock and horror in Allison, and it does, and it disgusts her, even though she does stay for it. And and it it's it's so hilarious to me that it's like I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to feel that this filmmaker is judging these characters, but at the same time, I'm like, she just barged into their apartment, and they're just doing what they would be doing otherwise. <laughs> yeah. And like maybe the maybe Gerda and Sandra are like the perfect femme terrorists that I want to be. Like Right. Yeah, that's the other way to look at it is like they know what they're doing. They know this woman is who did barge into their apartment is sitting there feeling a little terrified. So just go for it. Yeah, like, just go for just it. Just freak her right the fuck out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like you walked in on my turf, so under this roof, you're gonna get right. fingered. I mean, I suppose, like, when you look at the narrative of the film, they're supposed to be, you know, demons, and they're supposed to be deviant, horrible people, blah, blah, blah. And I think a conservative, like, straight audience would read them that way and be disgusted. Whereas I'm like, Allison, girl, this whole thing is trying to get you to, like, claim your lesbiana. Yeah, it's almost like, it's like, it's, it's it's kind of that weird, that shift in culture where it's like, 
we were still we were still telling conservative stories we're still relying on religion to like to to propel horror stories like the exorcist um but it's kind of that like vatican one vatican two difference where there's like the old timey and then we're sort of we're slowly beginning to move forward into a more progressive or more equitable space Mm -hmm. um we're, we're, we're beginning to explore these issues. But like, oh, but we have to, if we're going to feature all these weird, randy, hot gay people in this movie, we have to um, we have to make sure that the audience knows that they're evil and that they're incarnation, reincarnations of, of dead serial killers who are now demons in hell. And, yeah. and it's it's just so funny how like it, it totally betrays its own cause when I watch it because I just, I love, I love the dinner party. I love the the roommates or the people that live in the apartment complex. Mm-hmm. Um, Mrs. Clark, she's a goddamn angel. I don't care how many husbands she killed. <laughs> yeah. She yeah. is so sweet. Yeah. Uh, those two, the twins that are not twins by any means. They're, they're just, not twins like whatsoever. <laughs> and they just, they just they, like one is one is a large brunette woman and the other is like a tiny blonde frail. Yeah, they're at least 15 years apart in age, yeah. at least. <laughs> and we're presented to them as, tw- or they say they're twins, which, and, and they're just like smiling and laughing. Everyone is so sweet and having the best time. She mm-hmm. she still sees Gerda and Sandra at this party, and she still like give is is locked in and super judgy on how she looks at them. Right, but she, but still, she doesn't leave. She still hangs out. She still can't stop staring at them. And like, mm-hmm. so what if Burgess Meredith's books are full of like serial killers and the occult and all this stuff? Like, who doesn't is, love true crime and the occult? He's a charming gentleman, a charming homosexual who just loves his pet bird and his pet cat mm-hmm yeah that's i mean uh, just this house full of wackadoodle eccentric gays and then allison is confronted by all of them and then like runs to the church and is and says i've rejected christ i need to come back it's like it's just has there ever been a more uh wonderful allegory <laughs> i mean there has been but uh, <laughs> like it's just i don't know the first time i saw it it didn't strike me that way but then watching it again for this i'm like wow yeah it's catholic guilt the musical yeah is what it is yeah um and, and i mean the the movie is a wash in catholicism there's like there's the the, the film opens in northern italy with the 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 whatever conclave of the sentinels is yeah um and the priest, to me, the priests are the villains in the film. Mm-hmm. Like, they're the ones that are constantly, like, creeping on her and deciding her fate. And, like, you know, her, her boyfriend, who, maybe her boyfriend's a terrible person, but he's got a great mustache. Like, he's <laughs> he's he's trying to look in and solve the mystery of what they're planning to do to her. And I don't know. I would have gone with the crazy demon people in the end. I love them. <laughs> they have parties. Yeah. Like she goes to that church and the, the, the weird Sentinel Bishop or whatever, who flew over from Italy to, to turn her into a, a, a catatonic nun. Like he's impersonating the priest of the church. And then she goes back to the church later. And the, the, the regular priest is like, Oh no, there's no, that priest doesn't work here. Work here. Mm-hmm. So it's like they're up to some creepy ass shit, but we're supposed to like feel like they're doing her a kindness by by turning her catatonic and forcing her to watch over the demons. Because this it turns out that this apartment building is the gateway to hell, right? And there is that one person who is 
always an attempted suicide who is tasked with watching over the building so that um evil cannot escape from hell uh and that's how they will save their soul for their suicide attempts oh. is by serving as the sentinel <laughs> it is so fucked up it's so fucked up <laughs> it is i mean the last like the ending of this movie is like repulsive absolutely um, there's no like explaining it away like i mean I it just is. It's like <laughs> between the only way to undo your mental trauma and your suicide attempts and all that the only way to make up for it is by is by becoming a nun for eternity. Yeah. Um and then and then they it's like that weird ex, exploit exploitative use of um uh differently formed and differently abled people like that yeah. just like flood in the building is so uh, like oh it's look so bad <laughs> people that people that are built differently than us how terrifying They're so scary yeah. and it's like it's there's the thing is there's no reason i mean the the film was taken to task when it was released for that ending like it's not like well in 1977 no one thought it was a problem it's like no yeah. people fucking thought it was a problem back then too it's that unnecessary and exploitative you know like freak freaks from like the 30s has a better handle on on differently abled people than this movie does yeah and there's no reason for it's like he dick smith worked on this film and he's like one of the greatest fx artists of all time and it's like why didn't they just make monsters because like at the end you've got there's the lesbians and their ghoul makeup there's chris sarandon in his weird peeling face makeup you know like so hot like (laughs) i'd still do it i'd I'd still still go deep even if (laughs) i mean especially if his face is exploding like porcelain (laughs) but i mean like why not just take people and put makeup on them like well and that's what kind of choice was that to make because because lurkers is the same movie as the sentinel basically except like the 1980s screensaver version of of (laughs) Like the sit or lurkers does the exact same has the exact same ending. Yeah. Where where she's be the you know the woman who is targeted to be trapped for immortality or for mort- all of her of time in this building uh is confronted by all the demons that hold hold you know sway over the gates of hell. And in that they just take people and put weird like cartoon gross out makeup on them. Yeah. I don't understand why the Sentinel did that. I really I like I don't understand yeah. that. Tr- and there's no excusing it. And the effects in the Sentinel, like you said, Dick Smith, the effects are fantastic. Like when her dad, her ghost dad, who's yeah. not Bill Cosby, but is almost <laughs> as scary as Bill Cosby, when yeah. he like comes rushing after her and she just starts stabbing him with that razor. There's yeah, like there's she cuts cool. his nose off and oh! pokes his eye out. Like that's it's really queasy good stuff. There is some great gross out gore in in those sequences. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, was it just a money? Sa- Were you just trying to save money on a- on effects? <laughs> like, what is that to say? I need to listen to the commentary tracks because, from what I understand, nobody liked the director. Oh, and really? He, and he was really mean to all of them. And, and he's the director of Death Wish, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not sure what else he did. He did Scream for Help, which we should okay. ta- we should talk oh. about Scream for Help. Sometime. I haven't seen it. Okay, let's. <laughs> it's a it's is, a delight. Yeah. Is it a delight on the it's same? To the same extent of Beverly Beverly D'Angelo on that couch. <laughs> well, well, I mean, nothing is. Uh... Yeah, that's true. Nothing <laughs> ever captured that. Yeah, yeah. So we should talk about that movie at some point. But 
It's I think I it bums me out that that's the ending of the Sentinel because I think it mars what is otherwise a really interesting film. Yeah, yeah. I mean the ending sucks, but like but at the same time like if you place yourself in the headspace of Allison and and you you do read it as this like gay trauma panic thing, right. like it still works under those. Oh, sure. Under that criteria. Yes. Um it's just <sighs> like it's it's very unfortunate <laughs> yes yeah. although they almost saved it with the line the people you saw here the lesbians all of them they're all <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i love it they don't, like they to don't... make it a special shout out i know they don't say oh the black widow killer or oh the 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 man with elephantitis or oh they zero in just on the lesbians as the well. Because scar- that's what Allison was zeroing in on. Yeah, that was the that's so real. That's the scariest thing that she was faced with. It wasn't it wasn't killer cats or yeah. Burgess Meredith trying to penguin her to death. It's the lesbians. It really is. It's kind of amazing. And, and I don't know how I didn't pick up on all of this earlier in earlier viewings, but Right? And I think for me, I mean, oh my god, Stacy, they did make this movie for us because there's that scene where they're like talking about um you know the is it the police they're like oh she's saying she went to a party with eight dead murderers and <laughs> and the detective goes doesn't everybody <laughs> it's true i would go to that party with eight dead murderers i would it looked like a lot of fun really yeah it really did so. <laughs> put on your leotard and get going <laughs> Allison, such a babe. I'm going to remake is. this movie, somehow use her same performance, how it'll have a different ending. Did Christina Raines do, like, much else? I don't, I feel like, it's so funny because the movie is so full of names. Um, and then the star, I don't know her as much. Yeah, I think, well, she. I know she was in uh, Nashville, the Robert Altman film. Okay. Um, and then she didn't really do much after this, like some television, a couple of other things, and then she retired from acting. I think this director really put her off of acting. He, like, apparently he was really mean to her. Oh, really? Yeah. That sucks. I mean, he made a great film. Yeah. Like, I mean, judgy as it is and, like, unintentional as it, I mean, same with what Ty West and Ari Aster and every yeah. dude has <laughs> ever made a good movie. But, like... <laughs> yeah that's too bad yeah so uh... because she is she is so fantastic in this movie yeah i think so and she yeah she is gorgeous and Mm -hmm. it is it that's that's why i was kind of shocked that i didn't really know of her because i was just so blown away by how i knew everybody else in the movie and was so in love with them and she totally held her own and still was like the focus of the film right you'd think someone like that would go on to yeah i'm like i mean that's tough when there's like when beverly d'angelo is masturbating in front of me (laughs) and and sylvia miles is talking in a german accent and ava gardner is judgy mcjudgy pants and then i have the holy trinity of jeff goldblum christopher walken and and chris sarandon just like being babes of all time (laughs) yeah right i can stand out and i can still focus on christina reigns yeah that's kind of amazing yeah well we can stand her for this. Movie. I think we I think we can. I think we do. Yeah. Man, what a what a great movie to talk about on this show. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. 
<laughs> Were you fumbling with paper clips that you just gave up on yep. as you said that? Yeah. Don't you hide from me. <laughs> but no, it is like, because, and that's the thing is like, I think a lot of people would look at this film and say, like, they could appreciate it for its, its the, the, the nostalgic, like, 70s sort of prestige horror filmmaking that's in it, or look at it as an antiquated, like, religious terror story. But mm-hmm. I really think that if you do watch this as a queer person, like, there is a lot of uh, stuff that you can latch onto and relate to and, um, and reclaim. And yeah, I think this movie does a, it's great. Yeah. Here, even here. in its, even in its awfulness and even, ugh, even with those last 10 minutes, they're just so unfortunate. They really are. <laughs> they um, really are. They're oh never God. any, that doesn't lose its awful power. I yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like ah the the evil lesbians. How is that? How is that not offensive to me? But like just the sheer amount of like, look at this freak show we've assembled. It's just right. Yeah. Well, because I mean, I think it's because, I, f- like, for me, like a problematic portrayal of a gay person is I'm like, but that's not how it really is. Yeah, yeah I mean, kind of, it, might, it might be for some people. Like, I'm sure there's some wackadoo lesbian out there who's like, and is just going to, like, go to town right in front of you and not care. <laughs> Fine. I've met her. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, like, I don't know, use it, like, equating uh, physical abnormalities with, like, being damned and <laughs> being a yeah, demon demonic. and a monster. You're a monster is, like that's it's shitty yeah it's fucked up it's shitty i could just it's... laugh at most bad portrayals of like that's not the kind of thing i really find problematic in a way that's gonna turn me off of a film I yeah guess. and it gives it gives us something to look up to it gives life goals you know yeah, honestly, honestly honestly that's what i said on my insta story i was like gerda and sandra are gay terrorist life goals like, yeah exactly <laughs> And they kill people? Like, they kill dudes? And they kill people, right. Like, what do you do for a living? We fondle each other, we caress, and we (laughs) murder dudes. (laughs) And we menace our gay roommate and his (laughs) cat and his bird. I just love them. They're living the dream. Absolutely. The Sentinel. I I truly love this movie. I'm so happy to have discovered it. Mm -hmm. uh, Single-handedly before anyone (laughs) I'm just picturing you out there and like with your little brush in the sand. I well, I have a boat and flags. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just sticking flags into film reels, <laughs> or let's be real, DVD covers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of a depressing crunch of plastic. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm so happy to have seen the Sentinel finally. It it really felt like I was coming home. Yeah. To, my, to the browser. My... Why do they tear it down and then rebuild it? Can we talk about? Can the, we talk about where the does, very ending? Where does Allison go while the the apartment is being rebuilt? Yeah, like do they put her in like weird Catholic pyramid demon scheme projects, like temporarily, like temporary housing? Because yeah, it like the ending is they knock it down, and then they build a new apartment building in the same place, but. It's still the same shit going on. Ava Gardner's still the realtor. She's introducing a new couple. Yeah. And Allison is blind, all nunned out, upstairs. All nunned out? So. 
<laughs> so, like, I mean, there must have been time between the building getting torn down and the new one going up. Where was Allison? Where was Allison? And and also, like, was there a significant time jump? Because, right. do, like, if you become the Sentinel, do you instantly turn old and blind? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she was kind of old looking. It didn't make any sense because, like, honestly, she could still I, get it. But like, they show they show how long, like, when Chris Sarandon is is uh, being beautiful and looking through <laughs> looking through that safe in the in the Vatican or whatever. <laughs> like, as he's going through all the files and he's seeing like all the previous Sentinels, like, it seems like whole generations pass between each one of them. Right. Because, like, we go from, like, modern day photo to, like, an old Polaroid to, like, an old, like... To an engraving. Yeah, Yeah, to an... (laughs) To an etching. Yeah. Like, yeah. To a cave painting of a Sentinel. Which is still in a file folder. It's just an old file folder. Yeah. And it, it. It's in the ancient trapper keeper of the Vatican. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, so I'm like, they I, they could have just, it, you know, it could have just been inferred that the previous Sentinel was just really old and that's why they needed a new one. Right. And he was really old and he was blind. But, like, why does Allison instantly become old and blind when she's Sister Therese? Like, it makes... Yeah. It, it makes, makes no sense. It makes no sense. And what is the lifeline? What is the lifetime of a Sentinel, then? Like, are we supposed to believe that the new couple, one of them, will be the future Sentinels? I even, think that's where they were going. Even though Allison just got the gig, I'm like... It doesn't... I want to know where she was in between the buildings and... I mean, was she just sitting there on the ground? Because were the demons left unattended and the gays could just rampage throughout the town? It was just a circuit party. Yeah. <laughs> it was just a pub buffet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So questions. I have a few. Yeah. Yeah. But Ava Gardner looked fantastic. <laughs> she really did. She always did. She was perfect. Human was perfection. Perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What a movie. What a movie. It is a treat. God. So it, if you're feeling if you're feeling particularly uh without agency or particularly gay panicky or or you're rethinking uh, your career or joining the Catholic Church, sit Are down. You- are you wondering if straightness <laughs> is right for you? Yeah. Try the Sentinel. Try the Sentinel. Put and if you feel tired. extra possessed, go for lurkers <laughs> with it. Right. Get out your hot water bottle. <laughs> Put on and your leotard. Put on your leotard and have yourself a night. Go to town. Go to town. <laughs> Let me tell you, in a perfect world, it would be me, Rita, Gerda, Sandra. <laughs> That's your coven. Yeah, Rita, Gerda, Sandra, Helena, <laughs> Lana. Yeah. We're <laughs> just gonna les out. <laughs> I love it. Hot water bottles aplenty. <laughs> oh, let the honey pots bloom. Truly some formative predatory lesbians. Yeah, a predatory lesbian double feature. <laughs> Honestly, like that kind of thing just doesn't really bother me. Yeah, I It does a little, like you know, that's not when that's I think also part of it is just nowadays that's not the only representation. 
Yeah, that's true. There's, I don't know, I'm trying to think of instances where it does bother me. Yeah. I can't, I can't really think of many right now, but like, I, I Unless know. there's like rape involved, you know, oh, what I mean? like if yeah. it's like a, a jailhouse, like a women in prison movie, and there's always like the the bull dyke matron, oh yeah, of the place, and you know what I mean, like that kind of thing is like yeah, oh, okay. There was that. Oh, what was that one called? It was like a couple years back. It, I mean, at this point, it could have been with all the weed juice. It could have been ten years ago. But it was um, <laughs> it was a, it was a, it was a women in prison film, but it was where the main scary villain was a trans woman that was in the prison with the women with all the women oh dear i don't know and it was like look at this terrifying trans woman and it's like that's the thing is like when the when the scary problematic representation is coming from more of a just dude bro place i don't know i almost feel like in these films like there seems to be a gay person in there somewhere that's like wouldn't it be funny if we gave the lesbians a hot water bottle right (laughs) yeah but then, like, there's other depictions where it's just, it comes just from a place of just fear or just disgust. Right. And, and it seems like there isn't that intermediary homosexual set dresser that's like, oh, no, let's put them in leotards, honey. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, or somehow by happenstance, the rest of the film kind of lends itself to, you know, looking at it as yeah. an allegory versus just this one character comes out of nowhere and starts murdering and raping people and then leaves or something. You know, it's just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and actually, yeah, I would take a predatory lesbian or a predatory queer, you know, whatever, any day over, like, the the usual in, in this era of film, which is like, oh, gay person shows up, gay person is murdered. <laughs> right, absolutely. Because absolutely. I'm like, let her have that hot water bottle and have that orange <laughs> She's not dead, and I'm happy. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's just, like so many other things, it's so many problems could have been solved if Allison was just like, you know what? I think you're all right. Yeah. Like, I, I think you're all right about me. I think, I think you know, she should have had a, she should have sat down and have a talk with her father. <laughs> right. <laughs> and said, listen, I'm not going to yuck your yum. <laughs> but your yum's yucky. Right. Exactly. Can you lock your door? Can you lock your door? Maybe leave a little piece of cake by my door. <laughs> I do want some cake. Yeah. But, but, you know, she should have that conversation. Then she can go and meet Ava Gardner. And then she can go have a nice dinner party with some nice deranged homosexuals. Mm-hmm. And and her life would have been very different. It would have been more exciting than sitting in an attic and not even being able to see anything. So you don't burn in hell for all eternity with the gay people? I mean, come. I mean, the choice is obvious. Yeah, choose the gay people. You get to have cake with cats. Cake and cats. All the time. (laughs) Or put on this nun outfit and sit in this chair, stare out the window, but you can't see anything because you're blind now. And your skin is just really suffering. And we all know, we all know that, you know, while it rhymes with fun, nuns are not fun. Wait, shit. No, they're not. (laughs) It may rhyme with fun, but that's not a nun. How's that? (laughs) And what do they have to complain about? What do they have to do? They have to pray? Yeah. They have to fight for their agency. Clean their their rooms. And they run into... (laughs) They make terrible James Wan derived thrillers that I did watch the That's nun true. That's a couple true. weeks ago, and that was oh, horrible. Oh, did you? 
Yeah, it was it was just I don't you know. You should have mentioned it last week. I should have, but it was it wasn't even worth talking about because it's just so not memorable. Yeah. Um But yeah, so nuns lead to things like that, and they also lead to unfortunate jokes in grocery store checkout lines. What? (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) So I'm standing there in line (laughs) at a grocery store. I'm so ready. And on the magazine rack, there's a special magazine called The Power of Habits about doing great things in the new year. You're going to make new habits and be a new you. And I turn to my left and there are two nuns in line right behind me in their full nun outfits. And I say to myself, don't do it. And I say to myself, but I must. <laughs> and so I elbow one of them. I Wait, t- you elbowed one of the well, nuns? I had to get her attention. I did it. <laughs> I did it gently on the arm. Just a little tap, tap. Tap, tap. Like a little familiarity. Like and- like like Eric Idle in the wink, wink, nudge, nudge skit on my butt. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little, hey, sister. <laughs> I pointed and I said, hey, <laughs> there's a magazine you might be interested in. Get it? <laughs> Habits. Am I right? And they both went, huh? And looked at it. And one of them, the older one, said, oh, I understand. And then went back to her cart. That was... <laughs> She didn't even smile. That is my dream audience for any joke. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I understand. Oh, I understand. And the one that I elbowed smiled a little bit and said, oh, well, you know, there is a power in the habit, actually. And people come to us and they tell us their troubles and then we pray for them. So there is a power. And I said, well... Happy New Year. (laughs) (laughs) And I went back to my business. As if you didn't learn from the garbage day debacle. (laughs) We now have the great habit of... (laughs) The great nunning. The great nunning of 2000. I never learn. I never learn. It's like I don't talk to people. I am not one of those who has to talk to the person in line next to me. Do you know what I mean? I'm not a small talker. I'm not that. Unless, obviously, inspiration strikes. (laughs) And a nun appears. And a nun appears. I was like, I cannot pass this up. Come on. (laughs) When inspiration strikes or I feel that I have something to say, then I just assume a familiarity with anyone who's nearby. I appreciate that about you. I talk to them as if we're old pals and we've talked about these things a million times before. And then they're like, who the fuck are you? (laughs) And then I go about my business. (laughs) Casually remove yourself from the the failed conversation. Yep. Yep. Oh, Stacy. So that's my life. (laughs) if god didn't want me to make that joke god would not have presented that joke would not have permitted it this is true 
I mean, come on. I would have <sighs> gone to another line at the store. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I was like, really? Oh, I understand. You're not even going to pretend? Like, don't they have, like, if you want to draw me into your church, like, be nice to me. Yes. Yeah. Humor my bad joke. If they're sisters in Christ, the least you can offer is a smile and a laugh and a exactly. chuckle. Exactly. What does that cost? Nothing. Yeah, nobody needs this education campaign no. on the miraculous healing power of people talking to you because you're wearing a cloth on your head. I mean, it sounds so boring. It does. Come Sheesh. on, lighten up, nuns. I should have asked if they'd seen Suspiria. <laughs> You should have. <laughs> you should have just gone full Marcos in that yeah. moment. Have you heard the good word about Madame Blanc? <laughs> As you put on your leotard. <laughs> and my red yarn. Yeah. I just rub one out real quick. <laughs> <laughs> right there. Oh. And... Gaylords was canceled after Stacy was <laughs> arrested in a grocery store for wearing a leotard, first of all, <laughs> and some subtle nun abuse. Some subtle nun abuse. <laughs> like, well, Allison liked it. <laughs> <laughs> New year, new me. New, new year, new you. New yeah. Clearly. Up to some nonsense. It's exactly the same as the old me, but whatever. <laughs> but now with <laughs> just more enemies in the Catholic Church. Yeah, now it's like, I mean, I already know I'm damned for all time. I just wanted to make sure. I just wanted to seal that envelope, you know? Well, hey, at least now nobody's going to be handing you a giant metal cross asking you to watch over their gateway to hell. Exactly. I'm going to be like, oh, there's a cat in a party hat. Yeah, you're gonna be like, hey, it's my friends. I'm good to go. Hey, Bev. Bye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Hey, Bev. (laughs) (sighs) Oh, do we have a a listener question, Stacey? (laughs) We do. And you know what? This ties into today's episode, and I'm so proud of us for coordinating. Oh, yeah. We're good at We're good at this. We are so good at this podcast. We got this down to a science. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Our question this week comes from Terry Lynn. Terry Lynn, what you got for us, Terry Lynn? What is your favorite problematic horror movie? Say, that does tie into our discussion of problematic horror films today. It does. And Ooh. honestly, I had a hard time thinking of one. Really? I'm I am excited to hear what you what you, what you picked. Um have you picked one? <laughs> I did. I wrote some okay. down. Well, oh, sent- some. Well, you know, I maybe I just couldn't think of any problematic horror films. Really, maybe not much bothers me. That's considered problematic. I yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Sleepaway Camp. That's my. That was my pick right there. Right. I mean, uh, is it problematic? I guess so. Maybe. Maybe. It's also such its own thing that, you know, it, 
it's such a force to be reckoned with that I feel like it surpasses this notion of problematic, I guess. Well, and I do think I do think we have to preface that problematic is the most overused and misused word right. in in the entirety of the internet. Right. Um and just because something's problematic doesn't mean it's bad. Right. Um this is true. Just like, you know, Sarah Schulman and her idea of conflict is not abuse. Oh, but could, could you believe that? Um <laughs> problematic does not mean bad i think pro- things can be deliciously problematic mm-hmm. um i think sleepaway camp and that's why i picked that as a prime example of it yeah yeah um but at the same time like is it is it problematic or is it is it is it just giving us some representation yeah <laughs> like, no kidding especially that especially when you consider the sequels yes 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 and i i feel like i have been on you know i do i do uh conventions like every year and I have been on so many queer horror panels and sleepaway camp comes up in every single one of them because I bring it up. <laughs> but, uh, but then I instantly regret it because the conversation that is always had around sleepaway camp and even by like, well, you know, thoughtful queer people and, and academically minded horror, you know, interested people, whatever. Um, people always come to this issue of like, well, sleepaway camp is a problem and it's an unfortunate depiction, but we do enjoy this, this, and this about it. And I'm like, no, I actually, I actually think sleepaway camp is a, is a, a a lovely depiction of so many things. There's, there's that bizarre aunt, the Mm -hmm. realtor who we have, we have no idea where she exists gender wise or what, what is with this person. Yeah. We have the gay parents who the gay dads, the gay dads who like are in a loving relationship and are successfully raising two kids until they're unfortunately murdered by a hilarious boating accident. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and then when we get to Angela, like I, I have met so many people that talk about how, you know, how problematic this depiction of Angela as the killer is. And I even said in one of our previous episodes, I don't want to see any more of the trans killer trope. I really don't think that that I think that sleepaway camp kind of helped build that trope, but I don't think it really was a, one of the worst offenders of it. Yeah. Um, because Angela doesn't kill because she's, she's trans. And this is what I I think that's the difference. Yeah. This is what I say on every single panel. And even, even people that are like allegedly experts on sleepaway camp, um, cannot recognize this is like, yeah, she, she is trans. She's fine with it. And she only kills people that are assholes. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. She wants to make out with the boy. Right. Like, she wants to do that. It's fucking Judy gets in the way. And Judy mm-hmm. has to die. And so does he, because he made out with her. He went behind her. Right. So I think I think to put a trans person up there and have them kill people because they're exerting their own agency is kind of positive in a fucked up way. <laughs> For sure. And then you so. consider the sequels where she's transitioned. Yeah. And she's fucking gorgeous Pamela Springsteen. Yeah. <laughs> and she's still killing jerks. Yeah. You know, she's still killing people who break all the rules. <laughs> like, it's... I just, I love her. I love Angela. She's one of the best slashers out there. Yeah. I just, I don't know. Like, it doesn't... It's one of those where you kind of go, oh, uh," at the end of Sleepaway Camp, you're like, oh, uh, is that, should I feel bad? I don't feel bad about that. I I think what's more problematic is, like, horror fandom's reaction to Angela. And I think there is, like, an obsessive, like, comic fetishization of 
Angela and that last shot where like people always recreate that or like they make Felicity like anytime there's anything to do with like a penis coming out of a woman or you know, anything right. like people always tag Felissa Rose in it or like yeah um but that's I, like it's like because she's making a weird face yeah yeah she's making a weird face but like there's also like I actually have some friends that released a light switch where oh yeah, yeah I've seen that it's like supposed to be her dick you know and like mm-hmm. I'm like oh I don't know how I feel about that you guys yeah because I think you're kind of zeroing in on the thing that really isn't the issue or focus of the film. It's it's shocking and it's supposed to be shocking, but it's, it, we, it, I think uh, straight people who are horror fans making it into more of a joke is the problem with it, that, that depiction and not the depiction itself. I agree with that. So. I agree with that. And when you, you know, consider it in the context of the rest of the film, which is very gay friendly. And, and high melodrama. High melodrama is one of those movies that's gay without being gay. Like even the the straight content is really gay. All the short shorts and the baseball games and the grab assing. You know what I mean? Yeah, all the boys going skinny dipping and wanting yeah. them coming out of the water with maybe a boner. <laughs> like yeah, exactly. Yeah, when you consider it in that context, also, it's not as problematic, I guess. Yeah, there was a gay set dresser somewhere there saying, mm, what if the short shorts were shorter? <laughs> <laughs> like, Anthony was like, yes, yes, please, shorter, yeah, shorter. Put a mustache <laughs> on him. <laughs> yeah, so that would probably, that's my number one, I guess. Like stuff yeah. that's really problematic for me is, I mean, just, I don't know if it even, it, uh, what am I trying to say? I'd rather watch a predatory lesbian than I would like animal abuse. Do you know what oh, I mean? Like any that's day. The, that's the kind of thing that's problematic for me. Versus, yeah, that's disgusting. You know, but I mean, I get my other, my other big one was maybe The Shining. Oh, which, okay. Which is one of those that like the movie itself isn't so problematic, except for like Scatman Crothers as like the magical Negro. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> you know, weird. which is which is of its time. You know, he's still kind of a hero of the story. Yeah. But it's more its more of a behind-the-scenes thing because Shelley Duvall was so mistreated. <laughs> because she was literally driven to, like, extreme amounts of trauma and mental illness? Yeah. Like, she's one of my favorite actresses, and it's an amazing performance. But, like, knowing how they got there is really disturbing. I'm right there with you. Like, I hate Stanley Kubrick because of that. Yeah. Um, I'm also, I'm not a fan of The Shining, but I love Shelley Duvall in that movie. I love Shelley Duvall in everything. Um, one of my favorite things on the internet is that YouTube clip of just her from Fairy Tale Theater yeah. <laughs> saying, I'm Shelley Duvall. <laughs> yeah, Hello. over and over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've wanted to do a drag number to that for so long. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like, yeah, it's, it's, that is, that is, that's what's really problematic is, is, and and also like how horror fandom talks about Shelley Duvall or like how weird she looks or her teeth and like people really pick apart her her presence in The Shining mm-hmm. um, and then like her her kind of going off the rails after that but it's like she was literally driven by a by to that by a super abusive piece of shit like yeah, yeah absolutely and it was unnecessary yeah <laughs> like she could act yeah so. Like, that's, that's my kind of problematic, I guess. I guess if I had another one, my other one would be um, Mother's Day. 
the I've never actually seen that. Oh, I loved it. The trauma, it's an old trauma film, but it's one of the it's like it's very not trauma at the same time. Mm. Um because it, it actually tries to be like a real film, but um <laughs> it's when when we saw it like we saw it at the Hollywood Theater here and it was before I worked there and our the, the head programmer kind of introduced the film and he's like, okay, just so you know, this is a problematic movie and there, I'm going to just let you all know there is rape in this film and blah, blah, blah. And I was ready to like, be like, Oh, what the fuck am I getting into? And I was ready to, you know, be ready to be enraged during the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, it goes into that rape revenge territory, but is that scene which is awful immediately followed by a scene of two women in like with rock music, like tying bandanas around their head and then picking off an entire family. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I loved it. I make the second you give me an action montage of people training and tying bandanas around their head. <laughs> I am, I'm right there tying a bandana on my head with them. So I was, I, I do not, I typically don't watch or go for rape revenge films um it's one of the yeah. reasons i i sort of i have a weird issue with the new movie revenge which i'm interested in. i have a I, i've heard only great great things about it but i haven't watched it yet because yeah that's something that i i don't i mean watch yeah i liked it when i was watching it and then the more i thought about it after i was just like but why right right <laughs> um and i mean it's made by a woman and that's great but I still am not, I'm not convinced that the movie warrants its own existence. Right. Um, but yeah, but Mother's Day is one that I can actually deal with for some reason. It's, I think it's that bandana scene. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Sometimes that's all it takes. Yeah. But once again, problematic is not a bad word. So uh, right. yeah. sometimes it's nice to seek out the questionable, trickier things and look into why it's questionable or tricky. And it makes it makes life a little more nuanced. I think if you shut yourself off from too much, it kind of dulls your critical thinking skills. Yeah, exactly. Because we're not, um, you're, you're not part of the conversation. Right. Um, I mean, like, I mean, yes, like I'm going to miss out on a lot of criticism and film talk because I won't watch movies with Matthew McConaughey or Christian Bale. (laughs) Right. But I think right. I'm okay with that. That's one thing. But, you know, sometimes it's like if the ending, if you hear about the ending of The Sentinel and you end up not watching it, it's like, well, look what we got out of it. Yeah, you're going to miss For Beverly me. D'Angelo fingering herself, man. And who wants to miss that? You're going to miss Jeff Goldblum. Like, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You're going to miss a bunch of babes. Yeah, there's going to be, you're going to, well, okay, I'll take that ticket to Babe Train myself, I guess. <laughs> Put on your headband and your Yeah, leotard. get on my headband, my leotard, <laughs> my hot water bottle. Mama is ready to go to hell! <laughs> wow, for a haunted tome made out of skin, it's so loosely structured yet informative. I know, right? Uh, Is it over? It's glowing and spinning on its own, so I'm gonna guess yes. Ah, Oh oh my my god! God. Oh Oh my my god! God. Tune in next time for more Gaylord!